So in a minute, you'll hear the questions we ask these children. Meet uh, Josh, Lily, Kiri, Cooper. The rhythm of summertime here means that we share the sermon time with storytellers from the congregation. There are stories only you can tell, and we make space for this in the summer. Today, it's our youngest presenters. These are our children who've been at Vacation Bible School all week. Because many of us have not, let me tell you the story that you're about to be dropped in. That time the children of Israel fled after being slaves under Pharaoh's oppressive power, the time they flee for the the sea, the Red Sea, the time they pack up under night cover and they grab aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and babies in arms and babies in wombs and they run. We're dropping down in that story today, asking the children a few questions. Listen, it's sort of like the history of Western civilization. How do you do this story in 30 minutes? One thing we didn't talk about with the children this week, how in the world is it that they became slaves, the children of Israel, because there was a time when Pharaoh had all the grain in the land and so Israel could buy grain and when they had no more money, they traded their their cattle and their goats and their sheep and when they had no more livestock, they gave their bodies and said, we'll be your slaves, at least we'll stay alive. It was an economic transaction. The children of Israel are now slaves in someone else's land for a bowl of beans. They're gonna work for Pharaoh. So you'll see the theme now as Pastor Bev, you'll hear her voice in some of this video where we're asking the children questions about times they were afraid and times of change and times when somebody else has all the cookies and you really want some. Listen to these little theologians. Um, I'm scared of roller coasters. Um, I'm afraid of the dark. The dark? <laughs> I'm scared of the dark too for some reason, even though I know I'm safe. I'm scared of a lot of things. I would tell them that God is with them and they're safe. I would tell them that they, if, like, if they're in the dark or whatever and they see a door open, and they think that it's a monster, then I'll just, t- t- like, whatever. If Then I'll just um, tell them that it's me, and I'll, be, and I'll stay with them for a while. I think I would say, just, t- just trust in God, and one day you'll be like, this is easy to go through. I'll go over to them and say, all it, all it is is this one thing. You know you're not going to get hurt. You're with somebody. Do you guys know what the word unfair means? Yeah. I say that every day. You say that every day, Lily? What does is, what is the word unfair mean? It means that like someone has two cookies and you have one and, and you say it's not fair because they have more cookies than you. So, okay. And you're saying that you deserve two cookies. I think unfair just means like you're jealous. I think it means um, like let's say my brother Levi, he, he, I, I'm going to eat this piece of little bread. And then I leave the table to go to the bathroom, but he doesn't know. And then he takes my bread. I come back and it's just like, it's unfair. He eats it. Uh-huh. I don't have any bread left. Okay. I think unfair means like Lily said, um, but in like a game, if you need a ball and they have a ball that will, that will work better in the game and you couldn't and you found that ball at the store but it was 
too expensive that you couldn't get it and they had enough money, then you're like, hey, that's not fair. Yeah. You got another ball because you knew everyone would just get a home ball that would be less or they would have to buy a smaller ball. It's toys that I get in trouble with. Toys. <laughs> toys. My babysitter, she babysits me and her and my sister. And I have a Nintendo Switch and I play on it like almost every day. Okay. And she wanted to play with me and I, and I didn't really want her to. And she always wants to play Mario Party. It's one of the games. And she always wants to do one, one of the games inside of Mario Party. And she's really scared of that, so if she messes up on it, she gets really scared. And I don't want to hear her screaming. And then I got in trouble by Julia. I would be like, uh... My mind would immediately think, the, burnt, the bush is going to burn up pretty soon and the fire is going to spread, so I'll just run away. Um, I'll just go home and tell my parents that I saw a person with superpowers. I would jump into the bush. You can just tell them being mean doesn't doesn't give being mean doesn't let you lead. Being nice lets you lead though because if you be nice, then everybody likes you and they're going to follow you. But if you be mean, then they're just gonna not like you anymore. Yeah. I would tell somebody that it's not such good leadership if you, if you're too mean and you don't understand what people are trying to tell you. Like they say, I have no food left, and 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 then they say, give me all your food, and then they say, no, I have no food left. Like a good leader, like uh, if the king, um, like Pharaoh, since he wasn't being nice, um then you should go up to them just like Moses did and say, if you be nice, you'll have a longer life and you'll have a, a happier life and you won't have to make people go and get your slaves so often and tell them what to do so often. Yeah. Because it's a nice thing to do and people will like you. Like, like you're you? mean and you're trying to get what you want by stealing people's stuff. Okay. But um, to get what you really want to feel better, to get, to get what you want and feel better, um, is to share. Because then you give more love and they give more love to you, so then it's better to love. Um, so that you would have a lot of friends and you have... Um, some, a lot of people to play with and you won't be alone. When I was one years old, my, I was going to meet my grandpa. All the rest of the kids um, met my great grandpa, but I didn't, so um, we were like getting ready to pack, but then suddenly we got this message that our great grandpa died, so. How'd that make you feel? Sad. I think that's why I went in the hospital, so it was a big change. Like, first, I started to have a cough, but I didn't really care about it. Um, and then, um, 
Um, I didn't really care about it. It was a long time. When it started, I had, I started having post-nasal drip, then the cough kept going on and on. And then finally, I, because um, our house changed, I, I had the tummy feeling and I had to go to the hospital and stay overnight in chalk. So I used to live in my Grammy and Pop's house when I was like two, three, four, and five, and okay. six. And then we had to move into another house. And it was like this big two-story house. And it was a little scary for me because um, my dog, Wally, he, he, um, he ate, he found three packages of cookies and he ate them all. And now he's big and fat and he has sards. Yes, yeah, so when I was three, one night when I was sleeping, um, my mom, she, she woke me up. She said, she, but I didn't wake up because I was so tired. It was kind of like in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And we moved to a different house. And then we got, and we had uh, one dog, my dog Teddy. Okay. And then we got another dog, Oreo. He was a puppy and he's still a puppy. And, and, and um, when we moved to the, the new house, I, um, and then, and then when we, when I, when, um, when we got there, there was like a, my mom, she put me down on the, on the couch, and then I woke up because I felt, because, because the couch felt different. I just tell them, changes can be difficult, but it's, it's not the only thing you can be sad about. You, you can go on to other things that can make you happy. It's okay to go through a change because all of the people in the world have to go through changes. Um, my pop had a stroke. Yeah? And he used to be a pastor mm -hmm. at a church and he was a very good guy and he took and he went with me and my sister and my Grammy to SeaWorld. Before he had a stroke, we went to like SeaWorld and Disneyland. We went to all sorts of fun places before he had this stroke. But when he had a stroke, he had brain, he had a brain stroke. Mm -hmm. So he, so the doctors had to have surgery by taking out one of the pieces in his brain that made him remember things. So he forgot how to walk. He forgot how to move this arm and this leg. He, his, this arm and this leg were paralyzed, and he's probably gonna be like that forever. Um, I tell him that I hope that he feels better and that I love him. And I put my little puppy Dodger on top of him oh, and he licks him. Good. He's three in one. It's a good thing because um, the Holy Spirit can um, guide you and Jesus was on the earth telling people all about God and he was really actually telling them about him. Um, that he has um, cool like superpowers. That, that, that we're eventually gonna be in heaven. I'm just so excited. And I'm gonna tell them, like I can't wait to be a, mis a missionary when I grow up. All his love and generous kindness because then the rock can be perfect if there's love. Even though um, people who don't like, 
love God, they still love something, and love is like the importance of it. In a minute, we'll meet them. I want to freeze frame on one scene. When uh, Pharaoh is chasing Moses and the children of Israel through, through the wilderness, I want to freeze frame on a scene there for just a moment, a scene that the kids studied here this week during vacation Bible school, when under the cover of night, they've all, they have all fled. The entire nation is on the move. They take everything they have, and they take the longer route. The Bible teller, the storyteller says they've taken the longer route around. They are blocked in now by the sea on one side, the mountains on the other. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 says that as Pharaoh drew closer, the Israelites looked back and they saw the Egyptians marching towards them. The Israelites were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They tell Moses, weren't there enough graves back home in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here to die? We would have been fine dying back there. At least we wouldn't have to die out here in the wilderness Take us back. We would rather be slaves than go through this. What is worse than 400 years of building other men's cities? What is worse than the humiliation of being whipped? What is worse than the horror of slave labor dying in the wilderness for the children of Israel? I want to pause right there at that juncture right there. What could be worse? Well, Pharaoh and his chariots are behind us. The sea is in front of us. It's the poet who says they are stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. And between the devil and the deep blue sea, the people are terrified. The storyteller says they're all terrified, church. We talk about Moses and Pharaoh, but the storyteller says the entire nation is terrified. And then we move on to the next scene and the next scene and the next scene. They've crossed the Red Sea. Miriam is singing. Pretty soon we're at Sinai and then we're crossing the river into the promised land. We move and we move to the next story and the next story. I only pause today in this one scene. They are all terrified. That means even the tiny ones. The ones too tiny to matter for a tactical plans. The ones too little for us to hear their voices or to know their names. The ones who have to be carried and rocked and sung to. The ones who ask us 1,000 questions and then 1,000 more. I want to think for a moment of all the unnamed characters in the Bible stories that we tell, especially the tiny ones who don't make the head count. When we start a serious dialogue with children, we learn that the children are listening. The children are always listening. They're listening if we're whispering, they're listening if we're gossiping, they're listening if we're ignoring them. The children are always listening. All you have to do is sit with our four young ones today and you realize once we start a serious dialogue, they have our attention and we have theirs. 
It's a favorite moment this week in Vacation Bible School down below in the primary lesson room when uh, the story was escalating. It was the day of the plagues coming and there were boils and there were insects and there are frogs and the river turns to blood and the story just escalated with each new paragraph and there's a little guy in the first grade down in that lesson room and he watched it happening and he watched it happening and his body just filled up and puffed up and he moved and paced around a little bit and at one point he comes to the front of the room and shouts to Pharaoh, stop, stop it, you're being so mean. The little guy was all escalated. In fact, he started hitting Pharaoh. <laughs> Pastor Bev kind of put her body between the Pharaoh character and the little one. But he's not doing everything he can do. He has a stick and he's not even using it. This little one then says, I have ideas. Isn't that brilliant? The children are listening. The youth are listening, the young adults are listening, and they have ideas. So that's what this week has been about, telling the story as if the tiniest ones are actually in the tale. We know their names, they belong here, they walk these streets. These tiny ones inherit the stories we tell them. The specialists tell us it's borrowed and inherited faith and we, we can hear it in the four voices here. It's, it's why Kiri can tell you, well, I was one years old when my great grandpa died and I was very sad because the people in her house were sad. She inherits that pulse and that rhythm in her home. And Carrie can translate the, the love and the attachment in her nuclear family to love and attachment in God's large family. It's why when Lily speaks, she can talk about a stroke journey, Pastor Mark. It's why she can talk honestly and with raw truth-telling. And it's why she can say, I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus and we're going to go to heaven. Isn't it going to be great? Because in heaven, bodies are made new. Lilies inherited and borrowed stories. It's why Josh can sit here with ease. He can translate kind of his cultural awareness of video games and superpowers, and he moves straight into the great conflict narratives between good and evil. He sees it. Moses and Pharaoh and God and Josh can move in and out of that and translate with his own life. It's why Cooper who can put post-nasal drip in the Trinity <laughs> in one paragraph. It's why Cooper can say, God, the Spirit, Jesus, they're all important. They all teach us things because the children are listening. The children have inherited borrowed faith and as we watch them grow and develop, they have ideas and it will, it will transform our community if we are listening, the children are listening. I've learned this week that God is working on everyone and everyone is working on God. The tiniest ones in our church are working on God. Most of us are not Moses and we're not Pharaoh and we're not even Miriam and Jochebed and the minor players in the story. Most of us are the unnamed people wandering in the wilderness. Most of us also never make a headline. And here's the truth that the good grace of Jesus for Moses and the big players is the same good grace for the rest of us. We are every bit in the same story. 
In Exodus 14, Moses says to the people, don't be afraid, stand your ground, watch the Lord rescue you, stand still, allow God to do God right now. It's one of the large truths we hope we're teaching the kids of this community. Allow God to do God. Remember, we're not inviting God into our little chaos. We, we actually have been invited into God's large story. It's such a difference. They'll figure it out and they'll nuance it as they grow. The difference between me thinking God's part of my story and me knowing I'm part of God's large story. I'm so grateful for Pastor Bev for Megan in the lesson room. They did it again this year. Every year they look carefully at the curriculum and make sure we say carefully what we can say about God. So we don't have to go back later and repair it. I'm so grateful that this year we made space for a little more for children who don't do well with mainstream curriculum for their abilities are different and they need other. I'm so grateful that after the few years this is building up and building up so that now we have a solid program available for children who have other needs. It's been beautiful to watch. The conference was here this week and told Pastor Bev, I think you're the only church doing this, taking seriously. It's a one-to-one -one ratio, church family, if you don't know that. One uh, uh, older youth to one child who has a little different needs, and they spend the evening together. It seems to make sense for me, for a church that's created a welcome statement that says we need to watch for those who are excluded, that we would create a vacation Bible school experience that tells all families they could come here. It's been a beautiful part of the week the good graces of God. God's working on everyone. Everyone's working on God. All kids at all levels of ability. It's Helen Keller who says this, a simple childlike faith in a divine friend solves all the problems that come to us by land or sea. So to the families this week that we met who said, we're coming back to church. We need a little more of this. Come on back. To the rest of us who sit here and wonder with regrets and we, we are sad over failed parenting or grandparenting or mentoring experiences, guess what? There, there is all this potential in front of us. Did you see all these children? So roll up our sleeves and try again. Try with your own children. Try with your own grandchildren. Release the guilt and the regret because God can heal that and teach us lessons. Try with the kids of this community and the kids of the 92505 and the kids of the world because it turns out everything we think we value in life, there is nothing more important than the kids and the teenagers and the young adults. The children are listening. We want you to meet the four young ones. They have one last thing to say to you. Can, can you come on up, Josh, Lily? Kiri Cooper. We each have one last thing to say. Josh, you're first. My name is Josh and I am seven years old and I have one thing I would love you to know about God. He loves us and God is good. Thank you, Josh.
I am eight years old, and I have one thing I would like you to know about God. He loves you. That means he really likes you. He cares for you. He feeds you. He gives you the things you need. He wants to make you happy. God's love is huge. <laughs> Thank you, Lily. Curie? I am only seven years old, and I have one thing to tell you about God. You should think of God as love and someone that loves you more than you actually love God. All the people's hearts combined together in one still isn't as much as God's love. And Cooper. I am seven years old and I have something I would love you to know about God. God can help you in lots of ways. If you're about to do something unkind and you hear something saying, don't do it. That's God speaking in your heart. Jesus is your teacher who tells stories to show how we should treat people. God can handle my feelings no matter if I'm sad, mad, scared, or happy, and that makes me feel safe. Thank you, Cooper. Do you want to thank all four of them again today for participating? And you all are free to go, except for happy birthday, you two. When's your birthday? July 27. When? July 27. Oh, who else has a birthday July 27? Me. Me. <laughs> me. 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 Cooper sends me a video every year for my birthday, and I especially like the one you sent that said, happy fourth birthday, Pastor Chris. <laughs> happy birthday, happy birthday. Thank you all. You can go this way.